Let's pray. Father, as we come now to open Your Word and to read it, to search the Scriptures this day, we ask and pray that we would see truly how Your people, Your saints, will persevere by Your grace until the very end. We thank You that not one of Your elect will be lost. Not one will lose that salvation which Christ has secured for us. Oh Lord God, we pray that You would bless here the reading, hearing, and preaching of Your Word, that You would pour out Your Spirit upon us, and that You would work mightily this day through the preaching of Your Word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able to remain standing, please remain standing and take your copies of God's Word and turn with me here this morning to John chapter 10. And as we have been doing over the last four weeks, we will begin in one place. We'll go several other places in Scripture this morning as we consider the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. And just a reminder uh, to us that, Lord willing, next Sunday we'll begin uh, in, sun, in our Sunday morning worship the book of First Kings. So begin reading that first chapter this week, and Lord willing, we'll begin there next week. But this morning... John chapter 10, we'll begin at verse 27, and we'll read through verse 30. Hear now the word of God, it is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us, so let us pay close attention. Our Lord Jesus said this, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Again, over the last five weeks, we have been looking at what we have been calling the, the five points of salvation. We know them as the, the five points of Calvinism. Tulip, total depravity. We saw uh, how man is totally depraved in, in thought and word and deed as he is born and conceived in this world because of the fall of our first parents. We looked at the second point, un conditional election that God before the foundation of the world and loved, elected a people to Himself. We looked at limited atonement. Did Christ die for all men? No, Christ died for a particular people, for all of those whom God the Father gave to Him. And then last week, irresistible grace. How the Spirit applies that salvation that Christ secured for His people to the elect. We saw last week that salvation is the work of the Spirit as well as that of the Father and the Son. How through the new birth or regeneration, sinners are given spiritual life and made God's children. How the Holy Spirit is the one who extends a special inward call to the elect. And that call is efficacious. It cannot be resisted. At the end last week, we said that the application 
of salvation is all of grace. And so this morning we come to the final point of salvation, the P, the perseverance of the saints. The elects are not only redeemed by Christ and renewed by the Spirit, but they are also kept in faith by the almighty power of God. This doctrine of the perseverance of the saints answers the question, uh, can a true believer in Christ truly fall away from the salvation that is, uh, uh, that is accomplished by the Lord? And the answer is no. There is nothing that can separate the elect of God from that eternal and unchangeable love of God. They have been predestined unto eternal glory. And we are, if we are in Christ, assured of heaven. But this doctrine of the perseverance of the saints does not maintain that all who profess the Christian faith are certain of heaven. It is called the perseverance of the saints. It is the, the saints, those who are set apart by the Spirit who will persevere to the end. It is believers, those who are given true living and saving faith in Christ, who are secure and safe in Him. We know that there are many who profess to believe and they fall away. They do not fall away from grace for they were never in grace. We know that true believers do fall into temptation, sometimes committing great sin, but these sins do not cause them to lose their salvation, nor do these sins separate them from Christ. Listen to chapter 19 and paragraph 1 of the Westminster Confession of Faith. There we read that they whom God hath accepted in His beloved, effectually called and sanctified by His Spirit, can neither totally nor finally fall away from the state of grace but shall certainly persevere to the end. Lorraine Batner put it this way. He said, This doctrine does not stand alone, but is a necessary part of the Calvinistic system of theology. The doctrines of election and efficacious grace logically imply the certain salvation of those who receive these blessings. If God has chosen me absolutely and unconditionally to eternal life, and if His Spirit effectively applies to them the benefits of redemption, the inescapable conclusion is that these persons shall be saved. And so as we consider this doctrine this morning, there are three things I want us to note about this doctrine and the truths that are contained in this doctrine of the perseverance. Of the saints. And the first is this that God's people are given eternal life the moment they believe. We read this morning from John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30. Let's read that again here. The Lord says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one 
will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Here Jesus is asserting something, and if you read on this morning, you notice that what He is asserting, uh, the Jews did not like it at all. Because they picked up stones to, to stone Him. He, he asserts here that He and the Father, they are one. He is saying He is God. Now tonight, we'll begin looking at the Gospel of John. And, and in this Gospel, there are seven I Am statements. And, and each one, after Jesus says those I Am statements, those who heard Him knew exactly what He was saying. He was saying, I Am. I am Yahweh, I am Jehovah, I am God come in the flesh. But here, the, the Lord says this, that the sheep hear His voice. And as they hear His voice, they come to know Him and they follow Him. And at the moment that happens, what does He give to them? He gives to them eternal life. The moment we believed we had eternal life. Yes, we will die Physically, as long as the Lord tarries, but our spirit will no longer die, but will go and live with Christ in heaven until His second coming. Our Lord reminds us here that we will never perish. And not only that, no one will be able to snatch us out of His hand. The Father who has given the elect to the Son he reminds us here, is greater than all and no one is able to snatch the elect out of the Father's hand. And when Jesus says no one, He means no one. Not even Satan himself can come and snatch us out of the hand of our Father. Not, a, not, not even Satan himself can come and, and take us or tear us away from Jesus Christ. There are other scriptures that speak of this truth as well. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not, shall not perish, but have what? Have eternal life. Again, that life begins the moment we believed. And eternal life is just that, is it not? It is eternal. It will never end for the elect of God. God will not let us see, uh, let us, that life end. In John 3.36, Jesus said, He who truly believes in the Son has what? Has eternal life. And then later Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. You hear there what Jesus says. Those who are in Him will not come into judgment. Now how can that be? Well, because Jesus has suffered the judgment for us. Again, we go back to that doctrine of limited atonement. He suffered. He died. He suffered the wrath of God on behalf of all of those whom the Father gave to Him. And He will bring to completion because we have eternal life in Jesus. We have passed from death to life. 
And then there's a second thing we see here this morning, and it is this, that God's people are kept by God's power. And nothing can separate us from His love. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. In Romans 8, we we know verses 28 through 30 well, as we learn there that those who, who love God, who have been called, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. And those whom God foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brethren, brothers. And those whom He predestined, He called. And those whom He called, He justified. And those whom He justified, He glorified. And then notice what Paul says beginning at verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now what is Paul dealing with? Well, he's dealing in these verses with the issue of whether or not the elect can be lost through the trials and tribulations of the world. And there are times when we may feel like we are lost, that that we are not living as we ought, that, that truly God can no longer love us. But notice what Paul reminds us of. First of all, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God who has created all things in the space of six days and all very good, if He has showered His love on us, if, if this God who controls all things by way of His providence is for us, then who can be Against us. You see our God is all powerful. I think we forget that sometimes. We look at what is happening in the world. And we think that man is all powerful. No God is all powerful. And if he loves us. Then who can be against us. If God gave us his only son. Did not spare his own son. But gave him up for us all. How will God also not graciously give us. All things. Paul continues and he asks, is there anything that can separate us from the love of God in Christ? Can tribulation separate us from the love of God in Christ? No. Can distress, can persecution, can famine, nakedness, or even danger by the sword separate us from the love of God that is in Christ? 
And Paul emphatically says no. That there is nothing in heaven on earth that can separate us from God's love. That there is nothing that can cause us to lose that which Christ has secured for us in His life, death, and resurrection. Christian, hear that this morning. There is nothing in this world, there is nothing in heaven itself or hell below that can separate you from the love of God in Christ. But again, what do other Scriptures say? Jeremiah 32 and verse 40, we read, God says, I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. Notice what God says there to Jeremiah that the people that He puts the fear of Him in their hearts will not turn from Him. In Jude 1, we hear this, to those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. Kept until when? Kept for all eternity. Kept until that day that God, Jesus returns in His glory and ushers us into that eternity that He has prepared for us. And then at the end of Jude, verses 24 and 25, now to Him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you without blemish before the presence of His glory with rejoicing to the only God, our Savior through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. But did you hear? Now to Him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you without blemish to Christ. Again, Christian, there is nothing that will separate you from that love that God has for you. We will be kept by the power of God. By the grace of God. And nothing can separate us from His love. But then third and finally, we see in this doctrine that God's people have been sealed with the Holy Spirit who has been given to us as a guarantee of our salvation. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians 1, at the end of verse 4 and verse 5, we read in love, He that is God predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. And then skip down to verse 13. In Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Christian, the day that you believed in Christ, as you heard that word of truth, that gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and believed in Him, you were sealed. You have the mark of Christ. Upon you. 
And you have been sealed by way of the Holy Spirit. That's what baptism is about, isn't it? Being sealed with the Holy Spirit. Seeing the mark of Jesus on us as that water is applied, as it is poured upon us. Just as we picture and see in the New Testament, the pouring down of the Holy Spirit upon the people of God. We have that seal of God and that promise given to us. We have the Holy Spirit living within us, leading us, guiding us in all truth. And the Father has given to us His Spirit as a promise. And what is that promise? That we will never be lost. That we will inherit all of God's riches in glory Without a doubt. But again, we look to other scriptures and what do we hear? Ephesians 4 and verse 30, we are told by Paul, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God in whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. We are not to grieve the Spirit by by sinning, by, by doubting God's love for us, by sinning against God. Why? Because we have Him as that seal for the day of our redemption in Christ. That is speaking of the second coming. When Christ will come and bring us home to glory. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians 3 verses 3 and 4. For you have died and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears then you will also appear with Him in glory. You have died. Your life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ comes, He is going to take His saints home. And then in 1 Peter 1, verses 3-5, through 5, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By His great mercy we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of of Jesus Christ from the dead and to an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at or in the last time. Our inheritance will not perish. It is not defiled. It will not fade away. It is kept for us by the power of God. It is guarded through faith so that we in that salvation will be ready to be revealed in that last time, on that last day. And so we hear this and what confidence it should give to us. What confidence it should give to us that if we are truly in Christ, Christian, we will persevere. God will keep us in Jesus. And so what application can we make? Well, first, we need to ask two questions. One, what about those who have made a profession of faith in Christ but fall away? Do they lose their salvation? And the answer is no. There are those in the church, the evangelical church, that do not hold to these five points of salvation that will say a man can lose that which Jesus has secured for him. Think of that. 
That we are more powerful than God. That Jesus paid the price for our sins on the cross of Calvary. But because of that, we, because of our sin, we can actually lose that. Now what are the outcomes of that? Well, it means that we're more powerful than God. We're more powerful than the grace of God and the Holy Spirit working within us. Uh, but the, the Scriptures speak to this, does it not? Listen to what John says in 1 John 2, verse 19 and 25. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be plain that they are, not, that they are, all, that they all are not of us. And this is what He has promised, eternal life. And what is John speaking of? He's speaking of those who turn their back on Christ. Who turn their back on their confession of faith. Who turn their back on the church and never go and join another church. It doesn't mean they have lost anything because they do not have salvation to begin with. In the kingdom parables of our Lord, we learn that there are goats in with the sheep. We learn that there are tares in with the wheat, that there are, are bad fish mixed in with the good, and all that will be separated out at the last day. But that man who, who, for, who forsakes Christ and who turns his back on that wonderful salvation never had it to begin with. They went out from us because they were not of us. Because they were not a part of God's elect. Second, Christian, understand this has already been stated. Again, there is no one or nothing that can separate you or me from that salvation that Jesus has accomplished for us and the Spirit has applied to our heart. Not even those days that we don't believe or we doubt whether or not we believe in Jesus. Not, not those days where we are, are depressed in, in our spirit, in our mind, and we're going through melancholy. Not those, those times where we, we are suffering persecution. Nothing, nothing can separate a child of God from the love of His Father. Nothing can separate a child of God from that which his elder brother Jesus has, has accomplished for us at the cross. Nothing here means nothing. Now there are times we doubt. There are times when we lack assurance. But this doctrine gives us great assurance. That if we truly are in Christ, we will persevere by the Spirit of God and by the grace of God to the very end. But third, how do we know that we are truly in the faith? How do we know that we truly are resting in Christ? Well, James tells us, does he not, in his short letter in James chapter 2, he says, by what you do, by your good works. You have good works. Are you performing good works for Christ. Now we are not saved by those good works, are we? We are not saved by what we do, for our good works are not perfect. That's what God requires of us, perfection. We cannot give it, but as we perform good works in faith, in the name of Jesus Christ, then that is assurance to us that we are truly resting in Jesus. Now notice, those good works are not done 
to the praise of our name. They are not done to be praised by men. They are done for the praise of Christ. To be praised at that last day by the Lord for His faithful servants and to His faithful servants when He says to them, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Fourth, Christian, that which God has begun in you, salvation, He will bring to completion. There is nothing lacking in what Christ has done for us. There is nothing lacking in the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. It is God who saved you. It is God who keeps you. It is God who will present you before His throne uh, at that last day, holy and blameless and undefiled. Think of that. No sin. No disease. Nothing. Perfect in holiness. Being counted blameless in the sight of God. Why? Because of what Jesus has done for you and for me. God began that work of salvation. And He will bring it to completion. And then finally this morning, do you have saving faith in Jesus Christ? We have heard the, the five points of salvation over these last five weeks. It is the Gospel. The five points of Calvinism is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And those who do not believe it, do not believe the Gospel of Christ. We have seen that each point builds upon the next and the next and the next until where we're at today. That those whom God has saved, He will cause to persevere to the very end and not one of them will be lost. Not one that the Father has given to the Son will be lost. Do you know whether or not you have saving faith? Well, have you repented of your sin? Have you turned from your sin and turned to Christ and cried out to Him, Lord Jesus, save me a sinner. If you have done so, then rest assured that you have that saving faith that has been given by God to you. But if not, then today is the day of that salvation that is freely offered to you by the Lord Jesus. Today is the day that He calls you to turn from your sin and to turn and embrace Him in faith. And as you do that, the moment you do that, as you hear the voice of the Good Shepherd calling to you this morning and you come and you respond to that calling as the Holy Spirit draws you, the moment that you believe, you have eternal life. And no one, will snatch you out of the hand of your shepherd. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. May God add His blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let us pray. Father in Heaven, we thank You this morning for Your Word. And we thank You, O Lord, that Your love will not let go of Your people. We thank You, Father, that Jesus has died 
for the sins of His people and, and rose again for our justification that the Spirit has applied that salvation to our hearts. And we know beyond any shadow of a doubt that we who are in Christ, that You will cause us by Your grace and by Your power to persevere to the very end when we will be welcomed into Your kingdom. Lord God, I pray for any here this morning that at this moment in time, they do not know Jesus. Call them by way of Your Spirit. Call them to Your Son. Show them their sin. Turn them from their sin as You give them a new heart and call them unto the Lord. And may they come most willingly. Come to trust and to believe in Jesus Christ. And we pray this in His name. Amen.